0: Greetings, my little oddities. Welcome back to Odd Tuesdays. This is Monica Carraway from Small Biz Thoughts. We're back from Australia. We were on a bit of a hiatus on the SMB Roadshow tour. Carl had a terrific reception from attendees at the Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne shows. And the SMB Roadshow tour will be continuing into 2015. We are yet to announce all the cities Carl's will be hitting, but we are very receptive to feedback. So please, if you want him to visit your city, let us know. You can email myself on C at SmallBizThoughts.com or there is a contact link on the SMBBooks.com website you can use. Now, in today's show, Carl speaks with Jay McBain, the Chief Marketing Officer over at Channelize, And we will also be joined by Rayanne Buccianico in our Oddballs segment. And I'll be sharing some tech news brought to you by NeoWin.net. First up, upcoming tech events happening around the place. On January 14th at 9 a.m. Pacific, you don't want to miss Carl's 6th Annual State of the Nation Address. Registration is free. Go to bit.ly b-i-t forward slash State of the Union 2015 to register. The Core Standard Operating Procedures for Small IT Providers Online Class begins January 13th. Please check out greatlittleseminar.com forward slash courses 2015 for the details. The SMB Tech Fest is on in Southern California, January 22nd to the 23rd. More information can be found at smbtechfest.com forward slash events. The IBM Connected event is on January 25th to the 28th in Orlando. For details, visit bit.ly forward slash IBM Connected. And the SMB Nation Office 365 Tour is on January 27th in Bellevue, Washington, and on January 29th in the Silicon Valley. More information can be found at http forward slash forward slash 0365 tour. And now let's hand off to Carl and Jay McBain.
1: I'm joined now by Jay McBain from Channelize. Welcome to the program. Thank you Carl. So let's start with what is your title? What uh, what do you do at Channelize?
2: I am the uh, Chief Marketing Officer, one of the four co-founders of the business.
1: What right. is Channelize today? What, what's your goal?
2: Uh, the main goal that we have, we've got a mobile platform. It's completely a hundred percent channel focused and uh, the mobile platform is really designed to simplify the channel so work on communication, work on enabling the right tools, as well as motivating you know, channel partners and, and getting them the right information at the right time. And then the final piece is really around channel management and getting the right data and you know, responding to the right um, uh, input and feedback in, in real time to drive uh, channel sales forward.
1: So is this something that the vendors would distribute to their partners?
2: Exactly. So, if you went to your, uh, if you use an Apple or if you use a Google phone today, if you go to their, your app store, uh, almost a hundred different vendors have channel apps today. Uh, Ninety-six of those hundred run Channelize. Uh, it's white labeled, so you don't see Channelize, uh, but you'd see vendors today like HP and Cisco, uh, Verizon. You know, very large international uh, channel uh, organizations. Or you'd see, you know, smaller ones that have decided to forego a PRM system or other types of things, and their entire channel communication onboarding development is all done via the mobile app. That is their one face to the customer.
1: So we don't have to get into pricing, but the vendors pay for it then and not, uh, not the individual partners.
2: That is correct. It is free to all partners. Uh, They just go into their app store, uh, grab the app itself, put it on their phone or tablet, and uh, completely free to use.
1: Now, I'm sure you know the statistics that I think it's in the neighborhood of 62, 65% of all mobile apps are only ever opened once and never opened again. So (laughs) I'm assuming yours gives them a reason to open it again.
2: It does, and actually the stats are even higher nowadays um from the and you know everyone knows this you look at your phone and usually what's on page 1 or maybe even page 2 of your apps uh but once you get to page 3 page 4 page 5 there might be apps there that you know you haven't opened since the day you downloaded them or you don't even remember downloading them so we've done several things and we work with the vendor on their channel program uh, a lot of what we've done recently is around gamification you know the ability to earn points and badges vendors will do things like offer uh, gift cards you know for example you do these three things watch this video read this and you get a Starbucks cup of coffee from us so that's become very popular Uh, the other thing that's become popular to bring people back is real-time feedback Uh, so I ran a channel program for almost 20 years uh, out there in the vendor community and one of the challenges I had was you know when I ran a campaign or launched a product or a program it was three to six months later that I started to get feedback via you know, roundtables and things right. like that. Way, way too late to change anything. We've got, it's almost like a four-square check-in today, we call it Pitch Tracker, that allows channel partners to you know, sell a product, a new product, uh, and feedback with just a couple of answers uh, to questions. Um, you know, within a couple of seconds, they can get back things like, you know, was it big or small? Was it hot or cold? Uh, what was the biggest customer objection was it price was it competition and then the vendor gets this in real time and the day they announce a product they can start to get this partner feedback and then the next day for example if you know it's too expensive or you're getting a lot of of objections on price uh the vendor can either release some battle cards or or education on that objection or maybe even a spiff to lower that price and then look at it the next day to see if the feedback is getting better so real-time activities that you can do on a phone or a tablet that are very difficult to do you know, in, in a laptop or a traditional portal sense of right. uh, trying to get feedback from partners.
1: So one of the beautiful things about this era that we live in is that people are willing to help and to give that kind of feedback, but you just need to make it easy. You know, If you say, I mean, I just, I just, to be honest, I just helped a guy promote uh, an interview where he wants to do research. But you have to commit to a 60-minute sit-down interview. Um, that's hard to get people to commit to, even if you're going to pay them, where if you'd say, look, it, it's going to take you 62 seconds to open the app, give some feedback, and then see how your feedback fits in with everybody else. Um, people will do that.
2: Yeah, the point of diminishing returns, absolutely, Carl, is measured in seconds. And I would say more than you know, 62 seconds if you can do something in 6.2 seconds, even better. The statistics, almost every single channel partner now carries a smartphone of some type right. and/ or a tablet you know out in front of customers. Um, literally, you know I think it's 98 percent, but if you go to any trade show in our industry, you know everyone during the keynote has, has something out. What's more interesting though, is the average channel partner checks their phone 110 times a day. so you can imagine you know from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed. The first thing they see in the morning, the last thing they see before bed, and a hundred and ten wow. times a day, they could be checking in with their with their vendors. And then the third statistic which uh, is growing is two-thirds, almost sixty six percent of channel partners prefer to use mobile as a way to interact with their vendors, to sell their products, to configure their products, to give feedback. And then to follow along in the channel program to make sure that they're getting paid
1: and, you know, doing all the things they need to do to achieve their status. Right. Well, and, you know, some of the folks that you mentioned, I've, I've been a Cisco partner, been an HP partner, and their websites can be overwhelming, even if you know what you're looking for. Uh, so having a mobile app that's, you know, I, I know at the get-go, this is not the fire hose, right? This is, this is the short menu of things that are going to make me money.
2: It is, and that's what we start with. It's the old 80-20 rule. Um, you know, if any of those vendors would look at their portals, and, and I, you know, I had a big portal as well when, when I managed uh, channel programs, and you know, I had case studies from 1979 on there, and you know, that, that's great because it's, there's a lot of information, however, not very relevant, so it's always 20% of the activity or content or tools that you put into the market drive 80% of your results, and what we tell yeah vendors is that's what you need to have on the mobile within one or two clicks of your thumb you not you need to be at that you know twenty percent that drives those large results and that's how you design everything on mobile is that it's close at hand and again it's focused on the biggest impact If you want that nineteen seventy nine case study you know you can go google it you can go find it somewhere right in the portal but you know you really want everything else to be uh, right in front of you.
1: Very good. So how do vendors get in touch with you? What's the best way?
2: Uh, Best way to start at channelize.com. You can always send us an email. My personal email is jaym at channelize.com, and our phone number is 518-203-3030.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Carl. Always a pleasure.
0: And now for today's Oddballs segment, we are joined by Rayanne Buccianico. She'll be talking about some of the financial processes MSPs need to be aware of.
3: Hello everyone, Rayanne here from ABC Solutions in Sunny Clearwater, Florida, bringing you this week's Oddball segment. Today's topic will not be another QuickBooks tip, they'll resume next time. Instead, I want to talk about some basic financial processes that you can use to manage your company finances. Recently, I started working with a great little seminar and together we are offering a class on financial processes that make all the difference. You may have seen it. It's a five-week course offered live via webinar. You can learn more about the courses they offer at greatlittleseminar.com. My five-week course is really unique. We spend one hour each week looking at the financial information of three sample businesses, all of them MSPs. And the purpose of this is to look at the financial reports in your business and ask yourself questions that you haven't thought of before. There's more to your company finances than total revenue, net profit, and cash in the bank, and I show you how to find it. Take a good look at your balance sheet and income statement to really understand on a basic level what's going on with your company. Minor changes in your chart of accounts can make all the difference in the information you get from your reports. You want to align your revenue accounts with your cost of goods sold accounts and make sure that your balance sheet accounts are accurate. If the balance sheet accounts are accurate, then by default, the P&L is too. Now the items in the P&L may not be posted to the proper accounts, but at least the overall net profit would be accurate if your balance sheet is accurate. Next think about cash flow. Where is your cash going? How can you forecast your cash needs over the next few weeks? Consider putting together a cash flow forecasting spreadsheet to track your needs and trends in cash. Sometimes even your accounting systems offer some cash flow forecasting reports and cash flow analysis. Take a look. Simple ratio formulas also offer a lot of useful information too. For instance, what's the number of days it takes for you to collect on your accounts receivable? If you don't know that, how can you accurately forecast how much cash you'll have in the coming weeks? Finally, don't overlook things like job profitability, budgeting, taxes, and recognizing employee fraud and theft. So you can begin to see how everything works together. That's the purpose of the course. By the end of the five weeks, you'll have the tools you need to manage your business finances. I know what you're thinking. Five weeks of talking about accounting? What a dreadful snooze fest. I do what I can to make it interesting and fun. I pack a lot of information in one hour, and before you know it, it's already over. I hope you enjoyed this week's segment on financial processes for your MSP. As always, if you have a topic you would like covered in a future segment, feel free to contact me by visiting my website at abcsolutionsfl.com. Until next time, this is Rayanne with ABC Solutions, signing off.
0: Now for today's news segment, brought to you by neowind.net. A year in search. In 2014, we searched trillions of times, opens Google's dramatic year in search 2014 video. What do these searches say about us? Apparently they say we search the same stuff everyone has already been talking about. The list, which is actually a series of search categories ranging anywhere from global news to consumer electronics, follows the same fairly obvious trends as it has in previous years. Topping the list for global trending searches in 2014 are Robin Williams, the World Cup, especially after the 7-1 victory Germany took over Brazil, and Ebola. The only vaguely technology-related result topping the global search trends list in 2014 is Flappy Bird, which beat out militant group ISIS and Disney movie Frozen for the sixth spot. In consumer electronics, Apple dominated, taking the top search trend spot with iPhone 6. The Samsung Galaxy S5 and the Nexus 6 took the second and third spots respectively, while Microsoft's Xbox One was only the seventh most searched term in consumer electronics. And PS4 didn't even make the top ten. Although the world seemingly still cares more about celebrities and cake recipes than the hottest new gadgets, the trillions of searches cited by Google represent a huge percentage of people living and sharing parts of their lives online. And the company is particularly proud of all these search results, as they should be. The searches represent Google's place as a technology empire that's in the middle of our digital lives and is now nearly impossible to avoid. Recently, an internal build of Windows 10 leaked that shows significant updates to the user interface including a new theme for the desktop. One of the features that has been updated in this build is Storage Sense and it provides a few hints about what to expect with the final release of the OS. Microsoft has added new save location settings to Storage Sense that, as the name implies, allows you to set default locations to save media. While there are the standard settings you would expect like default locations for music, pictures and documents, there is also the ability to set the default save location for apps and games. This setting implies that Microsoft is going to make it possible to save content from the Windows Store to another location other than the internal hard drive, such as an SD card. This is a welcome new feature as it makes budget-friendly devices more flexible, as most of them come with SD card slots that make it easy to expand storage. Considering that these storage cards are so affordable, it makes upgrading low-end devices quite easy. Microsoft is holding an event January 21st to talk about the next chapter of Windows 10. More news is to come. Google Earth's API is set to retire late next year. Google launched the Earth API over six years ago, facilitating developers by allowing them to construct 3D mapping applications in their browsers using JavaScript. However, the company has now announced that the API will be shut down next year, December 12, 2015. There are many reasons for this. The most prominent one being browsers are not using Netscape plug-in application programming interface for security reasons. Both Chrome and Firefox announced end of support for the framework a couple of months ago. And as Earth's API is built on this plugin, the death of the interface also means the inevitable death of the Google Earth's API itself. This coupled with the reason that the usage of the Earth's API has drastically dropped from 9.1% in September 2013 to just 0.1% in October 2014 has eventually become the final nail in the coffin of the API. As Google Maps Terms of Service states, the API should be supported until one year after its retirement is announced. The Google Earth API will be supported till December 12, 2015, in accordance with this clause. Only specific browsers will be supported next year. You can visit the Google Geo Developers blog for more information. A former iTunes engineer, Rod Schultz, has testified that Apple intended to block third-party music players and songs from accessing iTunes and iPods, according to the Wall Street Journal. The original plaintiffs in the case argued the project, codenamed Candy, was Apple's attempt to undermine rivals to iTunes and iPods and to drive up iPod prices. They argued that Apple's actions were anti-competitive and sought $350 million in damages, which could be tripled under the law. Recently, the lawsuit was close to dismissal due to the lack of plaintiffs. However, lawyers involved in the case found an eligible person to represent the class action suit in the 11th hour. Apple and Schultz both denied their actions were anti-competitive and said the measures that Schultz worked on were to protect Apple's systems and users' experiences, which could have been compromised by third-party music players and file formats. Schultz said that he was an unwilling witness after being subpoenaed to the case and that he didn't want to talk about his work on iTunes. Schultz left Apple in 2008. Schultz said that the measures reflected the digital music landscape at a time where music labels demanded Apple use DRM on songs while also forcing Apple to keep the iPod secured. However, he did admit the measures did lead to market dominance for the iPod. Schultz was the final witness in the case, which has been ongoing for 10 years. The case is expected to be sent to the jury for deliberations very soon. Microsoft seems to be going on a PR offensive against the government and is asking for the reformation of antiquated laws under which the U.S. is trying to access the company's client's data. You're probably aware of Microsoft's troubles with the U.S. judicial system, which started back in April of this year, when the government demanded that emails stored exclusively in Ireland be handed over to them. The company has since been in a legal battle, fighting for its customers' right to privacy and, some would argue, the respect of national sovereignty. After a subsequent loss, and in the middle of an appeal right now, the company is fighting back by trying to get the public on its side. The company has released two videos online where they try and explain what the cloud really is and why, in Microsoft's view, the U.S. government has no legal right to access the data it wants. Curiously, this is a bit of a step backwards when it comes to the company's PR message about the cloud, which until now has been along the lines of, it's simply the cloud, it just works, don't worry about how that happens. Suddenly, antiquated laws and legal pressure are pushing the company back to explaining that cloud data is not actually magic, but rather lives in very expensive, company-operated data centers around the world. Numerous technology and communication companies, not to mention privacy organizations, have come to Microsoft's support by filling amicus briefs in favor of the company's stance against the U.S. government. Microsoft was one of the companies affected by Edward Snowden's revelations about the way the NSA and the U.S. government access people's digital data with barely any legal oversight. A teenager has invented a device to protect his grandfather from Alzheimer's-related wandering. Kenneth Shinozuka is a teenager who lives in New York City with his extended family. Kenneth's grandfather is one of 5.2 million Americans who suffers from Alzheimer's disease and is one of the 65% of those patients who have the tendency to wander in the middle of the night. For confused seniors, these wandering episodes can lead to injury or even death. Kenneth noticed that his aunt, his grandfather's primary caregiver, struggled to prevent these episodes. In 2012, Kenneth started developing a device that would prevent his grandfather from getting out of bed at night unsupervised. He ended up creating a pressure sensor that attaches to the foot. When his grandfather puts his feet on the floor to get out of bed, the pressure sensor wirelessly delivered an alert to his aunt's phone via Bluetooth. During six months of testing, the device caught all of his grandfather's attempts to get out of bed with no false positives reported. His project, Wearable Sensors, a novel healthcare solution for the aging society, made him a finalist in the 2014 Google Science Fair at age 15. Though Kenneth did not win in the top prize in his age group, his project was the Scientific American Science in Action Award winner. This award is given to projects that solve problems concerning the environment, resources, or health. He also received $50,000 to develop his idea and will receive a year's worth of mentoring so that he can help even more seniors with Alzheimer's and their families enjoy safer nights. Kenneth says that in the future he would like to study neuroscience and help bring a cure to those suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's, like his grandfather. I'd like to thank NeoWin.net for today's news. The 2015 class schedule over at Great Little Seminar has been officially announced. New MSP classes have been added this year. There are now 10 online classes. Each class runs for five weeks and are live on Tuesday mornings with recordings and materials made available to students. To name a few of the classes on offer, we have Managed Services in a Month, The 10 Golden Rules of PSA, Critical Habits for Success, Working in Real Time, Highly Successful Project Management, and there are many more. Please go to GreatLittleSeminar.com to see what's on offer. And Odd Tuesday listeners can register for any classes at a discount by using the Odd Tuesdays show coupon on checkout. That's one word, Odd Tuesdays. That will give you a 20% discount on any course fees. Also, I want to make sure you all know about the freebies available at the smbbooks.com store. Carl's 68-point checklist and the cloud readiness checklist are the hot favorites there. But there are some business plan sheets and more up for grabs completely free of charge. Just go to smbbooks.com and select freebies on the left of the page to check out all the goodies Carl has on offer there for MSPs. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us in our next episode, January 6th, where we will be discussing HIPAA with David Sims, who runs the HIPAA4MSP.com website. We will also be joined by Computer Wallop, Bob Nitrio in our Oddball segment. I look forward to having you join us then. Take care.